Welcome to Rocktail Hour, an hour's worth of rocking good time in about 15 minutes with your buddies Tim, Treg, and Michael. Three old guys that are a testament to the fact that rock and roll keeps you young. In each Rocktail Hour, we bring you our favorite stories behind the greatest rock and roll tunes of all time and other interesting musings about the music and the rockers who inspire us. In this Rocktail Hour, Treg is going to bring us the story behind Pink Floyd's album Animals. Yeah, thanks, Michael. For this Rocktail Hour, I really wanted to uh, talk about the song Pig's Three Different Ones off the Animals album, but I figure as long as we're talking about one, we just as well talk about the entire album because uh, it's really hard to separate the one song from, from any of the others on the album. And I had to go back to the well, back to the Roger Waters well, because he is such a great songwriter, and contrary to a lot of music out there, his songs have a lot of deep meanings. For example, I was thinking we couldn't really ever do a rock tale hour on Rock and Roll All Night by Kiss because there really isn't a whole lot to it. You know, I want a rock and roll all night party every day. That's it. You know, it'll be a 30-second rock tale hour. But with Roger Waters, you get a story and you get meaning. So the Animals album is generally believed to be inspired by the book Animal Farm by George Orwell. But whereas the, the uh, novel focuses on Stalinism, the Animals album is a critique of capitalism. It was a concept album that was released by Pink Floyd in 1977, and it provides a scathing critique of the social and political conditions of the 1970s in Britain. Now, I found this to be interesting, that the album was developed from a collection of unrelated songs, and in order to put them all together to fit the concept, they changed some of the lyrics and they changed some of the music to, to fit with the uh, motif of, of pigs, dogs, and sheep. Pink Floyd's Animals album divides the world into three different types of people. The dogs represent corporate cutthroats, the pigs represent tyrannical leaders of the world, and the sheep are the oblivious and the exploited masses. So the, the second on the album is called Dogs, and the lyrics of Dogs delivers a scathing criticism of uh, what Roger Waters uh, felt were the corporate cutthroats. For example, uh, a couple of the lines say, you have to be trusted by the people that you lie to so that when they turn their backs on you, you'll get the chance to put the knife in. So if, the, if that's not a blatant assault on, uh, on corporate greed uh, and, and backstabbing, I don't, I don't know anything that is. Yeah, Rogers seems to have a peculiar penchant for seeing the worst in people, doesn't he? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Very true. Toward the end of the song, uh, there, there were a couple more lines on the dogs song that I found were, were interesting. He says at the very end, who was born in a house full of pain, who was trained not to spit in the fan, who was told what to do by the man. And, and I've read a lot that, that talks about how this is another line that relates back to the story that Michael told uh, on the Comfortably Numb podcast about how Roger Waters spit in the face of a fan because the fan was so enamored of him. And so here's another line that that relates back to him being trained not to spit in the face of a fan. The other thing that's cool about the... Uh, hey, um, in, in the Animals album, I just I just need to ask, by the way, are there any white snakes? <laughs> <laughs> so one of the interesting things about this song, Dogs, is uh, the way they make the dog sounds. Now, it, it sounds to me like it's an actual recording of dogs barking, but and it may be two different tracks, but one of them definitely you can tell if you listen to it closely is a synthesizer, but boy, it sounds very realistic. I was playing the song uh, the other day for my kids, 
And my dog just went nuts barking at it because uh, she thought there were other dogs around. So the next song on the album is called Pig's Three Different Ones. It's the strongest song on the album. It's, it's the best. It's, it's one of my favorite uh, Pink Floyd songs. Uh, and it's also the most flagrant. It reveals Waters' deeply rooted liberal views and his distaste for the abuse of power. Each of the three verses in the song presents a different pig or a different world leader, a different tyrannical leader. The identity of each pig is a matter of, generally is a matter of speculation, but the third verse clearly identifies who Rogers considering the third pig. So the first pig is a deceitful businessman, the hypocritical and collusive self-proclaimed superior who feels that he can cheat and persuade his way to the top. The first stanza paints a clear picture of Waters' revulsion of conservatism and, and the elite. In the second verse, Waters mentions the bus stop rat bag who radiates cold shafts of broken glass and is hot stuff with a hat pin. I, I love that uh, imagery of radiates cold shafts of broken glass. Many people believe that this second pig was at that time, an up-and-coming politician, Margaret Thatcher, who was uh, a leading member of England's Conservative Party and eventually became uh, Britain's Prime Minister. The third pig is specifically identified by name. It's the morality campaigner Mary Whitehouse. She was a staunch English conservative and, and a meddling advocate for censorship who was a predominant figure throughout uh, the United Kingdom in the 1970s. And in the, in the lyrics, Waters asks if she feels abused and he accuses her of stemming the evil tide while trying to keep our feelings off the street. And I, I love the line in there, Hey you White House, ha ha, charade you are. What, the first time that I heard this song, actually for many times after hearing this song, and I'd sing along with that, and I'm thinking, White House, he must be singing about the American president living in the White House. And it wasn't until recently that I learned that he was singing about Mary Whitehouse. Uh, I, I, although I have heard that some people think that this song, Pigs Three Different Ones, relates to Watergate and relates to Nixon and Alderman. And, um, but when you've got the specifically naming Mary Whitehouse in the, uh, in the song, it's hard to believe that they weren't singing specifically about her. Now, this song also has a synthesized sound that uh, that makes the sound like a pig. And I've read that David Gilmore uses a, a Heil talk box in order to make his guitar solo sound like a pig. It's really quite remarkable. The fourth song on the album is called Sheep, and the sheep uh, represent the exploited masses. And Waters actually has quite a bit of disdain for them as well. So a couple of the lines in that song, Meek and obedient, you follow the leader down well-trodden corridors into the Valley of Steel. So I get the picture here of the uh, dogs leading the sheep down well-trodden corridors into the Valley of Steel, and the sheep are just oblivious and doing what the dogs or the, the corporate greed is taking advantage of these people, and they're going right along with it. Toward the end of the song, the sheep rise up and kill the dogs, but later they retire back to their homes. Well, the album is bookended by each half of a song called Pigs on the Wing, parts one and two. And it's a simple love song that uh, apparently was influenced by Roger Waters' relationship with his girlfriend at the time. And it, uh, it offers a glimmer of hope, uh, despite the anger that's expressed in the album's other three songs. I found another interesting story about the cover of this album. If you look at the cover, it, it's a picture of the Battersea Power Station in England. And uh, they actually, the band actually had a 30-foot long balloon in the shape of a pig created for this cover. 
and it, they inflated it with helium, and they, uh, they moved it in, into position on the day that they were going to, to photograph. But unfortunately, the weather was bad, and so they had to delay taking the picture. They had actually hired a marksman to shoot the pig in case it got away. <laughs> but when they came back the second day to take the photograph, they, uh, they forgot to, to hire the marksman for the second day. So they got there to take the, the picture, and the balloon broke free of its mooring, and it floated away, and so they, they lost it. <laughs> Apparently, it, it landed on a farm in Kent, and uh, the local farmer was pretty angry because it scared his cows. So they recovered the balloon, and uh, they continued shooting for a third day, but they uh, ended up using the, the images that they took the second day of the power station and just uh, photoshopped in. I, probably not photoshopped, but they superimposed a, a picture of the pig. So on the cover, it, it's not actually a live picture of the floating pig. A few years ago, I saw Roger Waters in concert when he was touring, playing The Dark Side of the Moon, and he played a lot of other hits as well. And uh, he played some of the songs from Animals, and he came out uh, with this giant inflated pig that was filled with helium, and they carried it through the stands, and it was just in, it was incredible to see. Uh, I, I laughed pretty hard because uh, on the uh, rear end of the pig was written the word Bush. And since I'm not much of a fan of President Bush, I got a kick out of that. Yeah, I think the pig has been a staple of Pink Floyd shows ever since roughly 1978. I, times I've seen Floyd in like 1986, 87, that around then, the Dark Side of the Moon tour. And, and then, the wall. And then yeah. just recently seeing the wall last year in 2010, uh, the pig's always been there. Yeah, in fact, the, the, we, we saw the wall in, a, in an indoor stadium. And so it was... Uh, a remote control pig. It, wasn't, it was black, too, wasn't it? That was pretty wild. Well, at the, at the Dark Side of the Moon tour, the pig broke free again <laughs> and floated away. I, I have no idea where it landed. Floating up away out of Irvine Meadows into the rich houses of Newport Beach. It was, it was quite poetic. Yeah. We talk about Roger Waters, and I, I don't mean this facetiously. This is a serious question, and I'm interested in what you guys think the answer is. It almost feels as if Roger Waters has a general disdain for just about everybody. You have the sheep, you have the pigs, you have the dogs, and they each represent somebody. Um, who does? What animal represents Roger Waters? That's a good question. I think that he would. He likes the free thinkers. He's the one rattling the cage. I think. I mean, Roger Waters. I, I think Treg asked a really poignant question, which is that who does he hate more? Right? Is it the yeah. capitalists, or is it is it the dogs or the sheep? And I think the answer is that he hates them both equally. It, you see throughout Roger Waters' writing and Pink Floyd songs that these are really the two great protagonists in his world. It's the, it's the you know, what you call them, the capitalists or the record managers, you know, the, the people that are all about making money or at one end of the spectrum, but equally disdained are the people who sit by and accept it and do nothing about it. It's the, you know, the businessman who, and one day you find 10 years have got behind you, you know, just the, the people who are kind of uh, floating through life in this amnesia, being kind of the cogs in the wheel. You know, Roger Waters is just disdainful of both of those to such a degree. And I think he sees himself, you know, perhaps as the, as he's neither the, neither. And I think he would hold himself in high regard because at least he's doing something about it. Sure. Right. I mean, he's trying, he's calling attention to this tension. Yeah, that makes sense. 
No, I have a great deal of respect for Waters and Pink Floyd. I've, I've been a fan of Pink Floyd for a very, very long time. And, you know, I have, I have nothing against Waters, but he, if nothing else, he's definitely an opinionated person. And, and those opinions are often manifested in his work. I think that he can get away with it because he is such a brilliant songwriter and a brilliant lyricist. I I found it fascinating that you mentioned or you found in your research that these were songs that were kind of written independently because this, to me, this seems like such a concept-oriented album and that the songs, I love this album, but I'm not sure the songs really stand alone as independent songs. Um, You know, Pigs on the Wing Part 3 is really nothing without Part 1. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that he bookends this album with those two songs, I think, is really some of the most beautiful album-oriented songs I've ever heard. I mean, it's brilliant. It, yeah. They were actually playing the precursor to Sheep and Dogs in concert for a couple of years before they recorded Animals and, and released it in 1977. So they had these great songs. Uh, you know, they changed some of the lyrics around, changed some of the music to fit the concept, and then and then released it. I don't know about uh, Pig's three different ones, whether that one was created specifically for this album or not. It certainly sounds like it was. It's just, it's gorgeous. I love that song. When you talk about Pink Floyd's songs all being part of of an overall concept, I don't know of any of them that aren't part of a greater work. There's certain songs that stand alone by themselves, but there was a time when they were opposed to having their songs out on iTunes because they they felt like to take one song out of of an entire body of work rather than leave it together in the album diminished the either the meaning or the impact of of the song itself and and I had a lot of respect for that. I would agree with that as well, but I think that in the you know the four albums in this series, right? You had uh, Dark Side, Wish You Were Here, Animals, and then The Wall. All of the all three of the albums, other than Animals, you know, has some great standalone songs. I mean, oh yeah, Wish You Were Here. You got Brain Damage on Dark Side. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Money on Dark Side. Great mm-hmm. single, right? And then on yeah. the wall, of course, you got another brick in the wall, comfortably numb. You have you have songs that that make great singles. I don't think that you really find that on Animals, but you know, Animals is really a pretty short album. I think it's only about what forty minutes, Trey. Yeah, and uh, you know the so you can really listen to it uh, in a pretty brief sitting, uh, and plays just beautifully, and I think necessarily as, as an album. I don't think I've ever listened to album or ever listen to animals and not listen to the whole thing. You have to get to the, the, you know, the, the, the book, the, you know, the bookend of that song to really feel the completion of it. I really feel that way about all four of those albums. They're four of the top 10 albums ever. And, uh, if you listen to one cut, you got to listen to them all. That's what it seems to me. But if you, if you sit down to listen to the wall, you're going to be there for quite a long time. Oh yeah. That's right. But it's worth it. Absolutely. Time well spent. All right, Treg, thanks. That was a great story behind the Pink Floyd album Animals. Anytime you do a Pink Floyd uh, rock tale, I think we're going to have a lot of interest in it, at least between the three of us. Um, thanks for joining us here again at Rock Tale Hour. We really appreciate your listenership. Uh, we'd love it if you follow us on Facebook, and uh, if you could like us, that, that might help to bring some future podcasts to you and your friends. If you think we've got it all wrong, you can go ahead and email us, dudes at rocktailhour.com, or if you have a recommendation for a song, we'd love to hear about it and bring it to you. Uh, until next time, rock on. Rock on.